All right, good evening. It's good to be back in uh, SNU, this room. Uh, how many of you have uh, heard me preach before? Okay, some of you, it's your first time. Good. Oh, man. Uh, I'm very excited um, to find out what I'm going to preach on because um, <laughs> the moment I walked in, just my mind just went blank, but not like... Not like confusion kind, but like, I feel like what I have on the paper is not it. I don't know if you ever, probably never felt that, but it's like you prepare for hours and hours and then you have everything written down, but then like the moment you step in, it's just, you just know that, I mean, this is not it, man. It's good and bad. <laughs> it's good and it's very bad, okay? Um. And then Rona's just like whispering into my ear the moment I sit down, share your testimony, share your stories. And I think that's what I'm going to do. So before I begin, let me pray for myself. Okay, let me pray for myself <laughs> and for us. Uh, Father, we believe that you have um, a big, big love for this group of students. And God, you want to speak to your children. And Lord, uh, we believe that... Um, what you are going to release in this room is going to be very special. It's going to be very sweet. It's going to be very timely. So, Father, I pray the Holy Spirit will just lead my tongue uh, in every single possible way uh, to release your word and release your encouragement into the hearts of the students. And, Lord, I just pray that uh, the words will go out with power and authority. And, Lord, it will uh, really bind up the attacks and all the discouragement of the enemy and lord we just thank you uh that you are gonna set this night apart as a powerful night in jesus name amen, amen. so let's turn to john 10 10 <laughs> give me my bible it's right there <laughs> in my back probably right i want to encourage you guys if you're students here and if you don't have this verse memorized, I want to encourage you guys to memorize it. Because this will really help you fight whenever discouragement, whenever attacks, whenever confusion comes. And I want you guys to remember this verse. Uh, John 10.10. 10. I'm reading from ESV. It says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Rona, could you hand me my phone? <laughs> it's in my pocket. <laughs> you guys are getting a very spontaneous message tonight. No, it's there. Uh, in my uh, first, uh, front pocket of my bag, check that. Do you see it? Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Here you go. Oh, yeah. Turn to Romans 8.32. Let's look at another verse. Romans 8.32, it says this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right. So with these two verses... <clears throat> Where do I even begin? 
Uh, so I grew up in a non-Christian house. I grew up in Busan, a beautiful city down in South in Korea. And I had no religious background whatsoever. And I just grew up with my non-believing parents. And I remember in 2005, exactly about 10 years ago, uh, 10 years and one week ago, uh, my professor, I went to EY Women's University, if you guys don't know. I studied English education there, and when I moved to uh, Seoul from Busan, it was early 2005, and it was because I got into Iwa University, and that was the goal. I mean, I honestly, okay, I wanted to go to KU, okay, Korea University, but I didn't quite, I didn't apply, so I don't know if I would have made it or not, but that was my dream school, but I ended up going to, getting into Iwa University, so I gladly and happily went, right? So I entered into in March, and then by April, one of my professors, he invited me out to church, saying that, uh, oh, there's a pastor, and then his younger brother is a celebrity, uh, and then that was a celebrity that I liked, right? So, with only purpose of checking him out and seeing him in person, uh, I decided to go, and that was April 10th of 2005, exactly 10 years ago, right? So I went, and I remember... Uh, being a little freaked out because it was my first time being at church and there were some people that were passionately worshiping the Lord that um, clearly uh, was not of this world. And I was very scared and I've never seen people uh, worshiping before, right? So, you know, before you believe in God or before you don't have any religion, only thing that you live by is by what you see, right? So you only believe in what you see. You literally, according to the Bible, you walk by sight. And so, you know, the um, unseen God, unseen truth, uh, whatever, whatever, all that stuff was completely new to me. So I was just, you know, I was just freshman in college and I was completely uh, dumbfounded in the, in the room and I was completely... Uh, Scared, okay? And then what I ended up uh, hearing that day was uh, the gospel for the first time, the good news. And I heard the name of Jesus for the first time, what he did on the cross for the first time. My pastor was like, and then the tomb was empty. Jesus resurrected. And I was like so confused about everything. Maybe you guys have been coming out to Emmaus. Maybe some of you are here, but you're not really sure about this Jesus person and you're trying to figure things out. But how it happened to me was before everything started to make sense in my brain, my heart started to catch it. You know, my heart started to feel the love of God and it was indescribable. It was not like I was smart enough to grasp of the truth. It's not like I read the Bible, you know, altogether cover to cover and then try to piece together all these things but uh, i could feel that uh, this presence unseen god was intervening my life like on daily basis i could feel that uh, even before i truly put my faith in christ little things i prayed will actually happen and i'll feel just really freaked out just because i felt like oh this unseen existence of god probably did something about my life you know so but long story short, within about a month and a half, I, I uh, put my faith in Christ and I got saved on my 19th birthday. 
And then uh, about 10 years have passed, and I'm standing here as a pastor, and I entered uh, full-time ministry quite early on. So I got saved in 2005, and then 2009, I was already in full-time ministry. Actually, 2008. So my four years of college, I grew so fast. So the moment I accepted Christ, and then like month by month, I was just soaking up everything. My friends would tell me I was like a sponge. Like they would throw like some truth and biblical teachings at me and I would just soak it all up and I would just eat it up. And it's so true. And the Bible says, if you seek him, he will be found by you. So if you are curious about God, just seek him out and he will be for sure found by you because that's the promise of God. And if you are hungry, tell him that you are hungry for more of him and he will for sure be discovered and he will show himself to you. And no man can actually find God unless God reveals himself to you. You know, it's not that we found him because we're smart, you know, you go to SNU and whatever. It's because God reveals himself to you. He chooses to do that to you. And that's such a privilege, you know. So I want to just encourage everyone to continue to seek after him. But what really blew my mind away was the fact that I had all these debts that I didn't know I had. So I talked about how I walked by sight and not by faith because I didn't have any faith and when I heard the gospel it really confused me because they talked about like how Jesus dying for me and how you know he's the only way and all that stuff but then I didn't feel like I needed him you know what debt are you talking about you know I, I didn't know I had all this debt and it just didn't hit me in my heart um so you know how when the bible talks about the debt you know the the debt of sin is death. Uh, I'm sure you guys heard about those words, uh, but it just didn't hit me that, oh, am I, am I that bad? You know, do I need truly a savior? Maybe I could take care of it myself. Type of very modern thinking that I had in my heart. But um, actually, some of the stuff that I wrote are useful for this. <laughs> You know, I didn't, I didn't realize that I accumulated all this debt. And this debt was called um, death, right? And um, I don't know if you know anything about debt, but debt really sucks life out of you. Uh, if you grew up in a family that has a lot of debt, definitely uh, you will know it. But uh, even like I'm talking about like finances, like monetary debt, it really, uh, if you know anything about sex trafficking, a lot of girls are sold into sex industry because of the debt that they accumulated. So the pimps, they get them into this debt system and then that's how they uh, get stuck in it. And then because they can't find a way out, they are stuck in the sex industry for a long time. Time. Or uh, if you know, like, I don't know, like student loans, uh, in, in Korea, it's not a bad, uh, it's not that bad, right? Especially SNU, I heard it's pretty cheap and affordable. Is it? Yeah, right? I think it's the cheapest school you will find in the city of Seoul. But then if you, if you go to like school in like America and things like that, the debt that you accumulate, if you, especially if you go to like law school and stuff, it's like, tw it takes 20, 30 years of your career to pay it off. And what's the point of even making, becoming a lawyer and making that much money if you're going to end up spending all of that, paying off your debt that you spent on your education, right? So uh, it's like you earn all this money, but then uh, you end up 
kind of put, pouring it into this like black hole. You know, you have the source of income, but then none of it you get none of none of it you get to enjoy. And then you just gotta keep pouring it into this black hole of debt. You know, and it sucks life out of you, and it sucks hope out of you. Because if you think that oh, in 15 years I'll be able to pay it off, but that's one thing. But then if you're thinking in in 30 years, that's more discouraging. If you're thinking uh, in 50 years, that's when I'm like 70 something, you know? Or like in uh, 80 years, that's after I die, I, my children have to pay it off, you know? When the amount gets bigger and bigger, you just don't find any hope. You, your life is all about paying off your debt and then you don't get to enjoy your life at all. You guys following me? So, and, and I, by the revelation of God, I realized that, oh, I was in debt. I was in the same situation. I was trying to, you know, get all these good things for my life, but I realized that I am pouring it into this black hole that's, that just feels like a pot that's leaking because I don't get to enjoy life because of all this debt that I was carrying, and that was because of the sin. So the incredible amount, the Bible tells us that the debt, the type of debt that we carry is impossible for us to pay back. So let me talk about that a little bit. So what do I owe? What do I owe God? You know, what, what's my, the amount of my debt? Okay, God, how much do I owe? It's like, it's, it's like, um, how much do you think you owe? Every bad thing that you've done, every lie that you've spoken, or what do you think? How much do you think you owe? In a spiritual sense, oh my God, so many lost spaces. Um, all right. <clears throat> it's, where, where did it go? I just want to read this cool thing that I wrote. <laughs> Gotta make some use of this, right? So how we are bound to, there is an unseen spiritual economy that we are bound to. It's, it's not monetary economy, but we're bound to it, uh, the co- economy of heaven and hell, right? So no one can get out of it. Uh, if you have sin, then you have to pay the price. So for example, in the court system, even in our worldly sense, if a crime is committed for the com- Crime to be cleared out, it requires a certain amount of fine or imprisonment. Is that true? You did something wrong in this legal system. What do you do? You have to pay a certain amount to be forgiven of that guilt, or you have to go to the prison to pay for that, right? So it's either money or imprisonment. Uh, for a sin to be forgiven, the Bible writes out clearly that it requires death, death, right? And wage of sin is death. It's very black and white. It's, there's no gray area. There's no decent sinner. There's no better sinner or worse sinner. It is just guilty or innocent. So it's either or. You're either righteous or unrighteous. You're either holy or you're, either def- you're defiled. So, and the Bible says it clearly that all of you are unrighteous. All of us are defiled. All of us are in the same boat. It says all have fallen short of glory of God. And the only way to pay for it is the death that we got to give. Then your question might be, uh, can he just, isn't he, you know, gracious God? Isn't he just, you know, is he a good God that I heard? Can he just cancel that for me? You know, 
Okay, I understand that I owe him a lot because I'm unrighteous, because I am sinful. So I am a sinner then, and I got to pay for it by death. But can God just be merciful and just cancel it for me? You know, and that's, I think, a legit question. Or can someone else pay for me? You know, and I, I think the answer will be, the can, it cannot be canceled because of the character of God. The Bible describes him as a, he's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. That means he lives by justice and he cannot be bent. His character cannot change. He cannot bend himself. So he is just God by his nature. So, you know, if you are at a court and let's say uh, there's a person, like, like a criminal that killed so many people. Okay, if the judge is just and he's righteous and he says, I'm just going to forgive him and release him just because I feel good today. Because I am merciful, whatever. Do you think that judge is a merciful, I mean, not. But do you think the judge is a righteous judge? Is he just? If the people that were killed by him, let's say, were your relatives or your brother or sister, and your heart is burning for the justice to be done. You know, judge, release justice. This person killed my siblings, my family members. Do something about it. And then the judge goes, I feel really good today. So I'm just going to release them. Go home. That is not a righteous judge. He's not a just judge. Not at all, right? He's a corrupted person. And by doing that, you cannot fulfill justice. So because God is a God of justice, he can't do that. He is just. He is right. You know, so can, can you just cancel it, God? And he, God's like, no, I can't do that. That's why he had to put the sin upon someone who can take this away. Someone's got to pay the price or else there's no way out. But then what about some other person? You know, I'll find someone who is willing to do it for me. Maybe my mom will do it for me. Maybe my mom will sacrifice her life for me. You know, she loves me. Your mom... I'm sorry to say it's disqualified because your mom is also a sinner. She's also in her own sin and she has to pay for her own price of death. So she's just as good as dead, even as she is. Rona can maybe. She said she loved me. She's my uh, campus director. Can Rona baptize for me? I'm sorry, Rona, you're disqualified. Not good enough. You gotta be spotless. You gotta be innocent. You have to be sinless. And there's no human being, no matter who that is, you cannot find a substitute for this matter. It has to be someone that is completely spotless, innocent, sinless. And there was no such man for you to die for you. So, okay, I owe you a lot. There's no one who can take care of that. And you're not gonna cancel it for me then I am totally, completely stuck. So when there is no way out, that's when God can enter into the situation. When you feel like, okay, now I finally understand that there's only Jesus who can take care of this issue. issue. So that's like how I process the gospel. Oh, there is really no other way. Not by doing good works, not by doing charity stuff, not by studying harder, not by anything else. I just got to allow Jesus to take my sin upon himself and die for me. And good news is that he already did it. 
Jesus Christ already took the, the sin of the entire world and then he died on the cross to pay for everyone. That's why John 3.16 is such a bold and confident verse. It, it says, whoever, whomever believes in me will have eternal life. Because the eternal death, that debt will be canceled off. And when, I, when we talk about like death, I'm not talking about just death on earth. Not just like losing the life here, but I'm talking about eternal death. Death that will last forever. I'm talking about, so when we say eternal life, that's completely opposite. But etern- you got to understand what eternal death means for you to understand what eternal life means. Death doesn't just mean your physical body going back to the soil. It talks about death of your soul. It means absence, absolute absence of the presence of God. The source of life, source of joy, source of peace, everything good. The source of everything good will be taken away from you so that you are completely left with nothing. That's what hell is going to look like. That's what eternal death means. And who's going to pay for that? No one can do that. Only Jesus can pay for you for that. And what Jesus did on the cross, he suffered, guys. It wasn't just physical pain that he went through. You know, when we talk about, when we hear uh, sermons about how Jesus was whipped, how he wore that thorn, the crown of thorns, a lot of physical pains we talk about it. You know, the nail on the here and and here you know we talk about it all but the true pain that he went through wasn't just the physical pain it wasn't just the whipping people spitting on him the shame yes all those things were very very painful for him and it was truly suffering however what he truly suffered from was the absence of the presence of the father that he never had to go through for eternity long The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, they are one. They've been one for eternity, from the beginning of the time. Alpha and Omega, they've been one. They've never been separated. Perfect love. And at the cross, Jesus was all alone. And at the cross, Father had to reject the Son. And the Father had to watch his Son, the most treasured person to him, father had to watch his own son go through such pain and shame and nakedness and weeping and everything. And he could have done something, but he chose not to do anything. Do you think it's easier for a mother to die for a son or watch the son die? It's definitely the letter. Ask any mother. It's easier for the mother to just choose to die for the child than having to watch the child die in front of their eyes. Any mom would choose, I'll just die rather. Do that. I don't want to watch my son or my daughter die. That's just any parent's heart. And what God had to choose in that moment was, I have to just watch my son die. And with all all my power and authority that I have, I have to choose to withhold my power and let him just die. And I got to let him be separated from me. That's why when Jesus was on the cross, his last words are this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That means Jesus experienced that forsaking. The father who was intimate for eternity at that moment was, I don't know you. I have to forsake you. And he was completely rejected, not just by men, not just just Jewish people that nailed him or Roman soldiers, but he was completely, totally rejected by the Father God. 
because he went through that separation, none of us, if you believe in Jesus Christ, you don't have to ever go through that separation. That means no matter what happens in your life, you will always be with the Father. The Bible is very confident about that. Until the end of the age, until the end of the time, I'll be with you. Why? Because Jesus secured it. Because he took away that separation. He took away that, um, you know, because he suffered forsaking experience, none of us have to be forsaken by the Father. That's gospel, guys. That's the power of the gospel. And that's why Christians, we are able to say, I don't fear death. Because physical death doesn't mean eternal death. I have eternal life with my father. He will never forsake me. He will never leave me. That's where you can get that confidence. Why? Jesus took it. Right? So the debt has been paid. I love the song. I don't know if you know this song, but um, the, uh, my debt is paid. It is paid in full. What song is that? Man of Sorrow. So it's by Hillsong, right? Hillsong's Man of Sorrows, and I love seeing that as a corporate body uh, at church or even MS, whatever, with other people. Because, like, when that, the bridge, I think, when it shows up, my, oh, can you sing that for me, Sam? blood that my Jesus spilled. So whenever I sing that part, I just start to cry because I could just totally picture that, wow, my, my debt is paid, that I could not pay. With no matter what I could do in life, what, something I couldn't pay when I was totally stuck, when I was totally lost, and there was no way for me to deal with it, Jesus chose to deal with it, and now it's fully paid. You know, that's like the power that's in that verse and from the gospel. So, you know, what do I owe? Now, I hope you guys know. Uh, can you cancel it? No, he can't. Then I'll try to pay. But you realize uh, I can't even try to pay it. But Jesus paid it all so that I could have life. So it connects to what I was talking about. Um, he And this is the beautiful part, guys. So believing gospel. So I was in incredible debt, and now I'm back on my feet, okay? Wow, that's like good news already. That's amazing, right? I was totally stuck in my debt, and now Jesus pulled me out of that debt so I could live life. That alone is amazing grace. That alone, it commands our soul to sing praises to God. You know, I was stuck in eternal death, and then you pull me out. But it doesn't end there. That's the good part about the good news. And it says, Jesus doesn't just save me to, all right, now you are back to zero point. No, it's 180 degrees. You go from eternal death and the eternal life. You go from an enemy of God to a lover of God. Not just, okay, God looks at you and says, okay, now I don't hate you anymore. All right, now I don't see the sin in you anymore. But it goes from I used to be an enemy. The Bible says we all were enemies of God. And now 180 degrees, he flips it over and says, I love you. You know, that's amazing. And that's like, 
And you know, this verse is talking about how he didn't just give us life, but life to the full. Everyone say to the full. To the full meaning, to the like, to the full, right? Abundant life. Other translations say abundant life. Not just a life that, oh, now I don't have to go to hell, praise the Lord. Now just let me just live this life, and then when I'm like 85, I'm going to die. No, I'm talking about full life and abundant life. Then people will look at you and wonder, why is your life so glorious and beautiful? What about your life is so different that you're always, always full of peace and hope? How come you're always joyful? What is wrong with you? You know, sometimes I look at Rona and I think, oh, what's wrong with her? Because, <laughs> like, I'm, like, sitting in the office, stressed out, sometimes just working, working, and then Rona comes from behind, and she just gives me that bear hug. And I'm like, Rona, you're choking me, you know? But she's, like, overflowing with that love. Where does that even come from? It's not like I always give her a good response, you know? But that love, that peace, that joy, no matter what comes in her life, it's, that's just a mark of Christian because God has given us a life to the full, an abundant life. And also, the fact that you believe in the gospel, don't let it just end there. He paid for my debt. That's just the beginning. If you know that he was willing to pay for my debt, even re- knowing all the pain, knowing everything that Jesus had to go through, knowing everything that the Father had to watch, what the son has to go through. He calculated everything. God is really good at math, by the way. Anybody math major here? Nobody? I suck at math. But God is the creator of math. He knows. He calculates everything. And if if God thought, oh, this this deal or this uh, project, if he thought it was not worth it, after he calculated all the pros and cons, you know, what he's going to gain, what he's going to lose, he probably wouldn't have done it. God's smart, right? In his master brain, in God's all knowledge, he knows all things, right? He's off and omega. And he, he's the master of everything. He knows it all. And in his mind, knowing all the things, he still chose to make this cross happen. That means in his brain, he probably thought, this is worth it. Then what was he thinking? What do you mean, God? You had to go through all these ordeals to get what? To get you. To get me. What does he gain from all that? He gains you. That tells you how much he wanted you. That tells us how much Jesus loved us. And this verse that I read for you guys, I'll read it again. This has to be your anchor. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If you know that, okay, Jesus, you loved me enough to die on the cross, that means other things, what will, he, what will we spare? He's not going to give you a job. He's not going to give you family. He's not going to give you a community. Are you kidding me? He was willing to sacrifice the most precious thing that he had in heaven. The adoration of heaven. The center of all glory. Jesus Christ himself. The God, one of the three, was willing to come down and gave himself up for us. Go to the deepest part of despair and pain that man could ever imagine. If he chose to do that, before you asked, by the way, 
The Bible says it's not that we loved him, but he loved us first. None of us begged him for it. It's not like, God, could you do it? Please, please. And then he unwillingly took the step. Before we were born, guys, before we even knew God, when we were completely God's enemies, he did all this on his own will. It was his choice. He chose to do that. So when you comprehend that's what he chose to do, then when you face difficult situations, why do you stumble? Do you think this God who chose to save you by sacrificing his own son will not give you all the other good things? Provision? Future jobs? Boyfriend? Girlfriend? (laughs) Marriage? Family? All these things comes with the love of Christ. And my life truly, after the point of salvation, I kind of like was sharing and then I stopped sharing. But I just want to say, God really does not hold back anything. He doesn't know how to hold back. God is the God that is overflowing with love and mercy and grace for you. You know, what, what he gained from all this is you. You know, he invested that much into you. Right? And then now, is he going to give up on your, the investment? That's even in human brain. That's really stupid. I invested so much into Gina's life. And now, oh, I'm just going to forget about it? No. If Jesus invested that much into that one person's life, you know, predestination, I'm going to be committed to turn her into the image of Jesus Christ. Yeah? <laughs> She needs that right. <laughs> you know, God's not going to like give up in the middle or forego in the middle. He's not going to be faced by anything. He's going to be, no, heck no. I invested so much into this life. I'm going to take this girl until the end. I'm in charge. I'm responsible. I'm not giving up. Whoa, am I stupid? Am I a stupid God that I will give up on my investment? No, he will carry you through until the end. Until the end. So whatever comes to your life, do not be faced by it, you know. And I'm not saying life will not bring you difficulties. It it will get challenging. You know, your your, your faith will be tested. And I've gone through um, some, some, I don't want to say a lot, but some difficult uh, points of my life. You know, you guys are, since you guys are in college, you know, I, I was once in college as well. Kind of a long time ago, so it's hard to remember what happened in college. Um, but one of the things that are always on the heart of a college student is about the future, the job, and then what am I going to do after graduation, right? And I just want to say this. When you are in college, um, like the midterms and, you know, finals, and then that's what dictates your life, you know? Oh, midterms, even the way you look, completely different. <laughs> I could just tell as I was walking into SNU, I was like, wow, exam is coming up, I guess. Like, it's, just, it's not just a rainy weather, it's just darker, you know? Like, you could just tell by looking at their faces, but you're kind of dictated, dictated by the, um, the calendar, the academic calendar. But let me tell you this, after four years or five years or six years, whatever you end up spending here, hope it's four, after the college time is over, you will look back and realize Oh, that wasn't like a matter of life and death. 
you will realize, you know, one day you will cry about it. Oh, that professor gave me C+. <laughs> I thought I deserved B+. You'll be miserable one day. But then, you know what? In a few years, let me tell you, let me tell you, you will not even remember the professor's name or the, or the subject or the grade, okay? You will never look at it ever, okay? I don't remember nothing, okay? So don't. Don't live like your life depends on it. Your life doesn't depend on your resume, your GPA. It depends on the hand of God. Who sacrificed the son for you, he's got your life, okay? GPA 3.5 or 3.2, what's, what's the difference? You know, that's like, there's really, your life is, is in the hand of God. Trust me, remember this verse. If he didn't spare Jesus' life for me, he's got me. He will be responsible. He's got me, right? And so at the end of college, I also went through the season. You know, I, I studied English education, so I was debating between uh, being, becoming an English teacher and also uh, going into full-time ministry. Uh, but what was easier for me was English teaching was way easier because, you know, you just become an English teacher. There you go. But this... What was tugging in my heart, what God was putting on my heart was, you are most alive when you do ministry, when you go mission trips, when you share about goodness of God with your friends, you just become alive. So I was just a college student, but whenever I would gather with my friends, and I didn't even have a mic in my hand, but then I would start preaching to my friends. And that was like like my hobby, and my friends, I believe, loved it. <laughs> or they're nice enough to just listen to me, but I just loved doing it. So I really wanted to do ministry, but then there was more like a difficult path because, number one, I needed uh, seminary education, which cost more money. You know, at that time, I was accumulating, uh, accumulating student loan at IHWA, so that was already burdensome on me. And for me to think that, oh, going to another school for three years, seminary is three years long, and accumulating more debt, oh, I can't do that, you know. And my family's not that well off. They actually have a lot of debt themselves. So I, I, that was one thing. Two, I'm from Busan. Graduating and going back to Busan, becoming an English teacher, that means I could um, live with my family. I don't have to li- worry about where to live, right? But then staying in Seoul, I had to find my own housing. So that was another thing that was really like, oh, that's kind of, you know, because I lived in dorms and hasukjips and stuff. So, I oh, mean, where am I going to live? Number three, third thing was, oh, man, I really don't want to leave my community. So because I didn't have any spiritual like church background in Busan, I didn't have a church in Busan at all. So for me to think, oh, for me to leave my church in Seoul, go back to Busan, it's going to be so tough. I want to stay with my church in Seoul. So those three things were very heavy on my heart. So it was like summer around, summer of uh, my senior year, I just started praying every single day for specifically those three things. And at that point, I was sold out to pursue ministry. And God, if you open up the door, I want to do ministry. I want to go into full-time ministry. And these three things have to work out. And it looked like there was no way. Because my English wasn't that good back then. Uh, I was just a student of English, right? So I, and then I was attending English-speaking church. And why would they hire a Korean native at an English-speaking church. So it wasn't even an option. And a few months passed, but I was praying every single day. I was crying out to the Lord. And, you know, summer vacation passed. Fall semester started. And then I, October came. I was still hopeful by October. November came. I was becoming miserable. And the finals hit. And I, I crashed. 
and finals were over, and still there was no breakthrough. I prayed for months, and then I didn't see anything. So I went to church on Sunday right after finals. Pretty much I was done with my college four years, right? And I went to church feeling very miserable, and I felt like God was ignoring me. You know, I was crying out, God, come on, help me out. But then I felt God was not, he would, I felt like his ears were closed to me. So feeling very sad and depressed, I went to church. And during worship, I just cried my eyes out. I was a mess. Throughout the sermon, I was a mess. I was just crying and crying. What am I going to do, God, for my life? And it felt like I was at the end of like the road or something. But uh, during announcement, back then, uh, Pastor Christian was a new pastor. He's a pastor of my church, New Philly. Uh, he was a very new new pastor. He came on the stage and he was making announcement. And then he said, "I'm gonna, uh, we're gonna do something new, and it's called ROTC Intern Pastor Program." And I was like, I was crying. And then I looked up. And I was like, "What?" And he goes, um, "This is uh, like a scholarship program to raise a full-time ministers." I was like, "What?" Wipe the other eye. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, three benefits. One, we're going to send them to Torch Trinity, uh, English-speaking seminary in Korea. We're going to send them to Torch Seminary with full scholarship and also covering all their books. Okay. Number two, they say we will provide housing for them. Number three, it said they will be serving as intern pastors at New Philly. Remember three things that I prayed what were they? Seminary, the education, and also housing. Third thing was, what was it? The church, right? <laughs> I told you it's a long time ago. <laughs> Those three things, and as Pastor Christian was describing them one by one, I knew that's for me. That's for me. So I, um, and then he said something very interesting at the end. He said, but you know what? If you need to pray about this for three weeks, it's not for you. That's what he said. And he said, application starts today and it closes today. But it's three-year commitment, right? Who, who will have the ball to, you know, sign up? So, but I had it because I knew that was exactly for me. So if you guys are, so this is a cool testimony. So I finished my three years and I'm hired as a full-time pastor at my church. And I love my seminary times and everything. So if you feel like there's nothing for me out there, hey, you believe in a creator God. Not just, he didn't just create cherry blossoms and beautiful things. <laughs> First thing that came to my mind. He creates, he still creates things. He creates open doors. He creates jobs for you. He creates all things, you know. So why do you have to be confined by what you know is out there? Why do you have to hang on by your resume, your GPA, my 1A, 1B? No, it's not like that. You guys believe in a God that's so much bigger, so much bigger. And if he was willing to give up the most precious thing to him, knowing what that entailed in every way, why will he withhold anything else from you? He's fully committed even if you tell him to go away, oh, he won't. He'll be like, I invested the blood of my son on you. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going anywhere. You know, you cannot run away from it, even if you want it. You know, so let that anxiety go. All right. And stop looking 
down so much when you when you when you, you know, it's a kind of like perspective thing when you guys are like only looking at your book and just yourself everything is so limited you know all you look at is your textbooks and your class schedule syllabus and uh, everything just is so it's so topped up him you know you don't get to see the bigger picture you gotta look up to be able to see the full picture you, all you need to do sometimes is stop looking at yourself. What's wrong with me? What I'm not good at? You know, my resume this, my future that. But you just got to look up and look at how big God is. And that just will set you free. That's all you need to do. So, I was all over the place. Thank you for being so gracious. But I really want to uh, pray for you.